Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, January the 16th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Miami identifies and announces its defensive coordinator in waiting. We'll get you caught up on Patrick Graham's background and the defense he and Brian Flores will bring south to Miami. Also, The coaching staff is beginning to take shape, but we do have some news of one potential newcomer shot down and another longtime Dolphins coach possibly departing. Finally, we finish things up with another Kyler Murray point. We'll talk Dolphins quarterback situation heading into 2019. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. I have four great videos up in my timeline right now under the media tab. You can find those there. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys are going to want to check out the Crash Course article up there right now on the feature page because this podcast coincides a lot with that article. So check that out for some visuals and some video breakdowns as well. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have X's and O's to get to. Let's get going. That's another Miami Dolphins. All right, so the first news of the day is the fact that the Dolphins late on Monday night after I had already recorded the podcast. Of course, that's what they always do to me. I didn't want to get an emergency podcast out there. You guys could wait a day. And yet, here we are talking about Patrick Graham. It has been announced that Brian Flores will bring him with him to Miami to help coach this defense. And Graham will be the official defensive coordinator of your 2019 Miami Dolphins football team. And that means we just have to get to know another coach. And this guy, Patrick Graham, he is 39 years old. This coaching staff is going to be super young, which makes more sense. And we'll get to that later with all these potential consultant roles being filled in the organization. But he began his playing career at Yale. So this guy is very bright, obviously. He grew up in Connecticut, went to Yale, was undrafted in 2001, didn't cut it in the league. He became a graduate assistant at Wagner, moved on to Richmond as a defensive line coach, then went over to the offensive side of the ball and coached the tight ends. Then he went to Notre Dame where he was a defensive graduate assistant before 2009 when he caught on with the Patriots staff as a defensive assistant. He moved to the linebackers in 2011 in New England, then the defensive line in 2012-2013, back to linebackers, and then the D-line coach with the Giants, and then now presently the linebackers coach and running game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers under Mike Pettin. So he has been well-traveled, even though he's very young. Obviously, that educational background at Yale can serve him well. But one of the key factors I like about the fact that he did bounce around was that he spent a year under Mike Pettin, who was charged with turning around an awful Packers defense. And they played better, but the results in the end still were not great for that Packers defense. But the key there is the fact that Graham, working under Pettin, who Pettin himself had learned tutelage from Rex Ryan, through Buddy Ryan, Rex Ryan's dad, and the 46 defense with the bare front. As we all know, Buddy Ryan, the creator of that 46 defense. And we'll get more into that in the next segment. But personally, I really like this Patrick Graham hire. 
We know he's a very, very sharp dude. He got away from the New England program to bounce around the league. I think that alone will provide a nice balance to Flores, who has only ever known the Patriots scheme and system. And then you have, I talked about it a little bit earlier, the consultant roles that seem to be putting out there for the Miami Dolphins coaching staff regarding helping some of these younger guys get more acclimated to the game. As we've heard, Brett Bielema's name's attached to the defensive side of the football and also Jim Caldwell on the offensive side. And Brett Bielema also served as a defensive de facto genius or mind, whatever you want to call it, on the Patriots staff this past year. And he also has experience in the college game. Again, we'll touch on that more in the second segment. But it sounds like they're going to supplement these young coordinators, guys that are under the age of 40 years old. You could have a, a Dolphins coaching staff as far as the coach and the both the coordinators all under 40 years old with a young GM. And a lot of these guys are minorities. So the Dolphins definitely going against the grain as far as what present coaching staffs looks like in the NFL, but supplementing those young guys with older advisory consultant type of roles, like a Jim Caldwell, who is 63 years old, like a Brett Bielema, who is 48 years old, and helping these guys ease into the situation. And I know it might sound like, oh, you have to hire guys that are going to have their hands held. And yeah, that sounds bad on the surface, but when you're approaching this 2019 season, as the Dolphins continue to tell us, and it's getting harder and harder to ignore the fact that maybe they are actually planning for 2020 being the actual year they can win some football games. It almost sounds like they're taking 2019 as a wash and just trying to get all these young guys acclimated so that when year two of the program does roll along, these guys are well acclimated. They have a foundation put in place for the program and things roll smoothly from there when the team is quote unquote ready to compete. And are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Perhaps. I think you could probably say that. But I think that Flores wants to leave no stone unturned to get this program instituted right away. And he's putting experience around his young guys on the staff to ensure that foundation is properly set. Because once they have that built-in program that is instilled in the minds of the players and they know the expectation things just get easier from there you can build that level of respect and then go forward with the younger coaches and maybe you lose the consultants maybe you keep them on maybe they get transitioned into a more upstairs type role I'm not sure what happens at that point but there is interest in working in Miami with these guys plenty of names plenty of well-traveled names and established names that have the experience that can help this young coaching staff kind of get over some of the day-to-day growing pains that they might endure so in that idea I like it, but I also liked Adam Gaze. So who the hell knows what winds up happening, but I do like the approach here, though I will not like it if Jim Caldwell is the one calling the offense. Now, as far as other coaching news, we have some of that to get to here on the podcast. Quick transitions, baby. That's what we're doing here on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network for this Wednesday, January the 16th edition Coaching news for the Dolphins. Mark Colombo was a former right tackle here in Miami. He's staying with the Dallas Cowboys to coach that offensive line. He will not join Brian Flores and friends in Miami. I told you that was a not-so-reputable source on the podcast, and turns out we were right, so no Mark Colombo. Also, another coach that was here and might not be here any longer. It sounds like Darren Rizzi could be on the move. He met with the Packers. He has other meetings across the league set up. Almost feels like a trade of sorts between the Dolphins and the Packers or maybe even other teams. A quid pro quo type of deal for he and Patrick Graham. So Dolphins could be losing Darren Rizzi. I know that is not the sound or the news you guys wanted to hear on this podcast, but it sounds like that could be the case. Could be losing Darren Rizzi on this new staff, which to me is okay because that just signals that Brian Flores came in and it's his staff. It's his staff to pick if he does not want Darren Rizzi or if Darren Rizzi wants to go explore other opportunities to make more money. Everybody's happy. I like that. I appreciate that. I am totally good with that. 
But like I said, we are not here to talk about ex-Dolphins coaches and schemes or soon-to-be ex-coaches. We're here to talk about the present and the future. And with Patrick Graham in mind, we're going to identify the four key parts to the transition of this defense, as well as give you a lot of X's and O's talk on the podcast. My former bread and butter, my current bread and butter. Who am I kidding? The X's and O's, they butter my bread. And we'll do all that next here on the other side of the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Defense, defense, defense was the order of the weekend on Wild Card Weekend and even into Divisional Weekend. So the Dolphins here trying to prepare themselves to get on that track and rebound from back-to-back seasons where the defense ranks 29th in scoring defense across the league under Matt Burke. Not acceptable, not good enough. They're going to have to do better. And they are not leaving any stone unturned when it comes to that search and trying to identify the staffers, and possibly even players that can make that kind of stuff happen. And there are three names I continue to bring up on the podcast talking about this Dolphins defense. And they are, of course, Brian Flores, new head coach, new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham from the Green Bay Packers, and also Brett Bielema, a 48-year-old consultant to Bill Belichick in New England, formerly the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Wisconsin Badgers. And there is a commonality, a commonplace between those three names and the type of scheme and defense we can see. And from that, we can glean some ideas regarding what this Dolphins team might look like on the defensive side of the football next year. And we finally have the breadcrumbs to go ahead and do so. So I did do so. Check it out up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I talked about it in the open, but there are videos. There are screen grabs of alignments from James Light. He is at James A. Light on Twitter, giving us some great background and depth into the techniques and roles of these different alignments and schemes and fronts and defensive packages. Plenty of stuff up there for you guys. Some video breakdowns about the core four players that can benefit from this in the Dolphins front seven. So again, like I said, LockedOnDolphins.com plenty to digest up on the website but talking about this on the podcast because that's why you guys are here I'm sure several of you are in the car in the shower you can't read lockedondolphins.com right now so I'll just go ahead and tell you about it and the three commonplace all of those guys have with one another is the operation of this bare front defense and when you really strip this thing down to its bare core elements really football sounds complicated because of all these terms and different verbiage we use to really try to identify certain things we see and yeah the tape does move and happen very fast and that part of it is difficult but when you want to break things down like this it's really simple it's about guys taking up space and using certain techniques to get into that space and just be better at football than the opposition so when we're talking about a bare front all it simply refers to is six defenders up around the line of scrimmage not in the box but on the actual line of scrimmage itself it also employs a safety coming down into that box something I'm sure Rashad Jones is going to be thrilled to see when he gets back under the new coaching staff as he can play more like 2015 Rashad Jones when he was hanging out by the line of scrimmage robbing the hook zones doing all the fun stuff that made him an ultimate playmaker not playing free freaking safety like Matt Burke had him playing the last couple of years but this year in Miami with the bare front so you have different variations of it and they'll use plenty of different looks these are just a couple that I was able to find and diagnose for you guys and show you examples one of those is the 3-3 look where you have three down defensive linemen and those guys are condensed in tight you're going to have a nose tackle up over the center and two defensive ends who are playing up over the 
inside shoulder of the tackles on the offensive line with linebackers aligned out wide. And then you basically have one true linebacker in the middle who would be Raekwon McMillan, obviously. And that's a bit of a spoiler alert for the next segment here on the podcast. But just showing you the alignment of this defense, what it's what it's designed to do at its core element is to stop inside runs, whether it's gap scheme, because you can't really pull guys against this defensive alignment because Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw are going to jack those dudes up if they want to pull and get to the play side of the formation. You can't really run inside zone against it. It's basically designed to make the run defense better. Something the Dolphins can do both on running downs early in the chains, first and 10, second and 10, whatever it is, but they can also adapt to it in dime and nickel packages. And if you guys want a better idea of how to see what that looks like, you can check it out on the Locked On Dolphins page that the column is titled Crash Course on 2019 Dolphins Defensive Scheme. So you can see what that looks like there. And it puts a big emphasis on allowing the linebackers, mainly the ones on the outside, to be able to free flow and run to the football unimpeded by blockers because... How many times did we see the last couple of years linebackers, Kiko Alonso, even Raekwon McMillan, getting absolutely eaten up by guards and centers pulling to the second level and wiping them out and making the running back essentially untouched until he got into the second and third level because of those pulling guards climbing to the second level. That's not going to happen in this defense. Those guys are played in space. They're out wide and they also set the edge. So rather than having the defensive end set the edge, like in the wide nine alignment, these linebackers can kind of play that edge on the way to the pass rush. And then you have one-on-one matchups inside and you can blitz and get creative that way too. So to me, I mean, anything was going to be an upgrade over what Matt Burke was doing the last couple of years. I just never understood the principles or the actual ideas behind that offense or behind that defense rather. But this time it makes a lot more sense. They're going to take some time to adapt their pieces and get it to fit into this defense. And I really do hope that Brett Bielema comes on staff and provides that consultant role because him coming from the college game to me is invaluable because a lot of those college principles have been now integrated into the NFL and Bielema is familiar with it down in Arkansas as well as Wisconsin. He adapted to more of a 3-4 type of scheme and those 3-4 alignments used more condensed versions on the inside of the defensive line like I talked about, which allowed you to sub linebackers in and out easily for safeties to play nickel and dime defense. So it's adaptable. It travels across different leagues. It's just the type of defense this team should be running and I hope they have all three of these guys in place to run it. Now as far as the players that can excel in this defense I have I guess a core four that I want to call out on the front seven don't take don't take this the wrong way regarding Xavier Howard Mika Fitzpatrick Rashad Jones the four guys down in the front seven they're going to have to really really show their traits that they've shown us consistently the next year to make this thing work because frankly they're going to have to transition a lot of these bodies in and out at other spots but the core four are these guys Devon Godshaw playing that nose tackle role, the sheer power and low pad level that he has. He plays with such excellent leverage. He can control the nose and really hold the point, which allows those linebackers to run free and creates plenty of one-on-one matchups. Vincent Taylor in this defense, defensive tackles are going to have to both one gap and two gap. So for that, they're going to have to add a third guy that can do both of those better. I'm not sure that Devon Godshaw can, but Vincent Taylor can. He has so much power and quickness and get off. I showed a video up on the Lockdown Dolphins page as well as my Twitter time line at Winkle NFL. You guys can find that video and show you Vince playing both a one gap and a two gap type of scheme. Even though the Dolphins didn't run that, it just shows you his quickness and get off and the capability of running that two gap. So he would be one of the defensive ends in that alignment. So Devon Godshaw in the middle, 
Vincent Taylor on the outside, or I guess on the outside of the inside. And then a linebacker off the edge, the weak side edge, Jerome Baker, of course. Who else would it be? This will create so many pass rush opportunities for him. He can slink down inside an A-gap blitz if he wants to. He can come off the edge. Plenty of stuff for him to work on out there. And the fourth guy, of course, the middle linebacker, Raquan McMillan, who really had a strong second half of the season and really could have been the best linebacker on the team from that point forward. I will still argue it was Jerome Baker. Others will say it was Raquan McMillan, but McMillan can knock some heads. He doesn't really take any false steps when he gets his keys and his run fits right. He really gets in there and disrupts things. Every time he arrives on time, it's a complete collision and car crash. So it's fun to watch him get in there and knock some heads. And I talked about it in the video again up on Twitter or on LockedOnDolphins.com that his ability to play clean without having guys absorb him in that second level can make him such an effective player as it does for any linebacker. I talked about Ray Lewis and what he talks about Sam Adams or Tony Siragusa and how much of an impact those guys had on his career. The same idea because of the scheme can be the case for the Dolphins and for the linebackers, and in particular, Raekwon McMillan. Now, they are going to have to replace some bodies. I mentioned it on Twitter today, as well as on the podcast earlier. The defensive end position looks really bleak. I think that Trey Flowers would be an absolute must-get if you can get him. Get him on this defense and might not have the impact right away that you want it to, but he can be here long-term. Again, he's 26 years old, has that connection to Bielema, has the connection into the scheme, and basically can be the focal point of this scheme for you. But Miami's going to have to remake that position almost entirely. What about Charles Harris? Where does he wind up playing? Frankly, I don't know. I saw someone suggest that he could play the five technique, but I saw him getting his ass whooped by tight ends this year in the running game, so I wouldn't really hold my breath there. Maybe he can stand up and play linebacker. That's something we have to think about because you give Charles Harris a fresh start, give him this one last year, I suppose, before he goes into year four of his career, but they're going to have to find a role for him in this defense. There are more sub-package roles and, and different principles that guys can operate from just based on that one skill set alone, so maybe he has that going for him. I don't know. We have so many questions we're going to have to answer over the next couple of months in this front seven rebuild. But luckily, luckily you've got us. That's what we do, my friends. And we're going to finish this podcast up by talking about the other side of the ball and the quarterbacks, the guys that spin it. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I've talked about it plenty of times on the podcast on the Twitterverse. My job here is to be a comprehensive coverage unit of the Miami Dolphins. And while I have a great sense of insight that I try to really brush up on and procure myself throughout the course of the season and the offseason as it regards or as it pertains to analysis on this football team, I got to give props out to other guys that do the job either on an equal plane or better than I do. And I just want to give you guys as much information as I possibly can. So with that, I'm going to refer to another guy who does great work on this team. You all know who he is, Chris Kaufman, talking about the quarterback position. He had a great thread up on his Twitter account on Tuesday talking about this stuff, about how Miami, they really aren't in this position to go after free agent quarterbacks and spending big dollars on someone like Nick Foles, who I wouldn't want in the scheme anyways, or a washed-up Joe Flacco, or maybe even Teddy Bridgewater, if those price tags are way too high, why is Steven Ross going to go in on that? He won't. He simply will not do it, and they might wind up going into the season with Jake Rudolph, Luke Falk, David Fales, and some rookie quarterback in the middle rounds if they don't decide to draft 
Kyler Murray. And that's the idea behind CK's th uh, thread here on Twitter is talking about how this team really needs to think about this from not just a talent standpoint, which obviously I believe Kyler Murray is a superstar player, but also from a roster positioning standpoint that you have to make yourself competitive because as CK says, if you just go into the season with those quarterbacks I've mentioned earlier, you run the risk of losing some of these players, wasting a year of development in these young guys' career. Remember, NFL players earning potential is a very small window and they don't have years to waste. So you want to try to sell this tank thing with David Phils? Good fucking luck. That's not going to happen. You're going to lose guys immediately. We're going to be in the same position next year, hiring a whole new staff and doing this whole song and dance once again. So why not take that big swing at Kyler Murray? And I get that people don't want to trade up for him. I, I do believe that's what you're going to have to do. I think he winds up going in the top five, probably like around four or five or six in this draft. If you're going to want to get him, I think you have to trade up. But if he does fall, you would be so dumb just not just to take him, just snatch him up right there. Because even if he busts out in a year or two, you wind up with a high draft pick and a chance to do it all over again and get a different quarterback because we're not going to spend seven more years on a guy that we don't really know about all the way regarding Ryan Tannehill. And Stephen Ross is going to do this thing until he gets it right. So take a swing at Kyler Murray if he's there. I just think that it is too great of an opportunity to pass up a guy that could slide because of his size. He has the high, high, high reward potential. And they can do all this stuff as far as meeting with quarterbacks at the Shrine game, meeting with quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. And they're going to do that. They're going to be attached to every quarterback that comes out this year, it seems like, as they are now attached to Jordan Ta'amu and Brett Rippon of the East-West Shrine game. But Kyler just makes so much sense beyond the idea that I do think he's going to be an absolute stud in this league. Benjamin Solak, if you don't follow him of the Draft Network, you should. He is great this time of year. But he had a mock draft and talked about the low risk if you do spend it on the quarterback and he busts because you can turn around in two years and redo it all over again. Trevor Lawrence, anybody? And I totally echo that sentiment with the idea that first round picks in that range and really, in general, they're really just a crapshoot. I mean, Barkevius, Mingo, Dion, Jordan, just to name a couple guys off the top of my head, how many busts are there every single year? And doing it at quarterback because of the salary savings is a huge reward with a minimal risk because you save so much money on a rookie quarterback compared to buying a Joe Flacco or a Teddy Bridgewater. Murray's going to make a fraction of their salary. And if you whiff on the pick, so what? We whiff on plenty of first round picks. It happens every single year across the league. Charles Harris is a first round pick for crying out loud. So just as CK laid out, I think it's very smart to go ahead and take this approach that you want to get Kyler Murray. He is your boom potential. He is also, if he does bust, then you're right back where you started and it's all good going forward. If you don't think this team's going to be good anyways, why are you worried about picking a need in the first round? Get the guy that has the superstar potential. And of course, you guys all know that I would trade up to go get him, but taking him at 13 would be such a home run for so many reasons than just the fact that I think he's fantastic. All right, guys, that is going to be my time for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a smart speaker, you can tell that smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast, a new feature we are now equipped for. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Miami.